This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We've, we've spent a lot of time the last couple of months talking about vision, right? We've, been, we've spent a lot of time talking about who we are as a church, who we're aiming to be, where we're aiming to go, and all these different things. And uh, we did a whole series on it a few, uh, a few weeks back called This Is How We Do It. And so if you missed any of that, catch it up on the podcast. It's great. It's kind of the vision of our church and, and who we are and who we're aiming to be, where we're aiming to go, and all of that. Um, but we talked about it again uh, about a week and a half ago at our vision night on January 8th. We talked through some of the plans that we have for this next year. But we talked through about how we aim to be a place where people can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And the knowing God piece is super, super important to us. Everything that we do here is filtered through the lens of how can we help you to know God more, to know God better, to know God deeper, to grow in your relationship, in your faith journey, to grow in your intimacy with God. And so that's why we were very, very intentional about starting off our year with a prayer series. To start off our year with the first four weeks of 2020 talking about prayer, which is essentially communication with God. It was very, very important to us to focus on that because we desperately want you to know God. And to have a relationship with anyone, you know communication is one of the main key ingredients. And so we said, well, let's spend the first series talking about our communication with God. Now, there are two main ways to know God, and they are not either or, they are both and. They are both very essential and very, very necessary to know God. One of them is a head knowledge, and one of them is a heart knowledge. Both are very, very important. Both work together because, listen, you can't have one and not the other and expect to grow spiritually. You can't have one and not the other and expect to grow in your spiritual maturity, to grow in your depth and in your understanding and in your practice of following Jesus. And so for us to grow in our head knowledge, it's typically a, a more of a focus on theology and doctrines, right? Theology is just an understanding of God, who God is and who we are in relation to that. Doctrines is how we work out that understanding, you know, in the, in the basic sense of the word. And so when we're, when we're looking at a head knowledge of God, this is, we need to grow in our knowledge and understanding of who God is in a way of like, yo, what do we believe about Jesus, you know, the fully God, fully man thing. Like, how do we reconcile that, justify that, believe that, buy into that? How, what, do we, what do we feel about the Bible and the Bible's role in our relationship with Jesus and, and the authorship and all that sort of stuff? But where do we stand on that? Where do, how do we believe about the Bible? How do we believe about Jesus? How do we believe, uh, what do we believe about the Trinity, about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and how this all comes together to shape our faith and to shape our understanding of who God is. What do we believe about eternity? What do we believe about salvation? What do we believe about sin? What do we believe about all these different things that come together to make up uh, sort of the infrastructure of our relationship with God, our understanding of who God is. So there's a, there's a head knowledge that is necessary for growth and maturity and development. There's also a heart knowledge that's necessary for our growth and understanding and maturity. And this really happens through disciplines and encounters. Encounters is where we encounter God, we experience God, but then there's also these disciplines where we have to be intentional about carving out space and time to spend with God. 
And so there are hundreds of different spiritual disciplines, all dating all the way back to like, you know, the first century church, things that they held to, to be important and, and things that they did to help grow in their knowledge and understanding and relationship with God. And so today we're going to talk about one of those spiritual disciplines, one of those ways to pray. Prayer is a spiritual discipline, but one of the ways to pray is really, really interesting, really, really cool, and we're going to try it together this morning, and so I'm really excited about it. But to sort of paint a picture of, of how this kind of works, to take it out of the theological realm for you, um, snow, snow. Snow is my nemesis here in Michigan because it only snows on Saturdays, right before Sundays, okay? I'm convinced of this. Look it up historically. I'm sure it never snows any other day than Saturday in Michigan, okay? If it does, it's just a flurry preparing for the big drop on Saturday, maybe Sunday morning occasionally, okay? And so, but snow, you can have a head knowledge of snow, right? Both, both are necessary for you to get a full understanding of what snow is and how it works, right? You can have a head knowledge. You can see pictures of snow without ever actually experiencing snow, and, and you can understand that it's this like white powdery stuff that falls from the sky, right? You can understand and you can, have an, uh, you can talk about it. You can ask questions about it. You can learn about it. You can learn of like, about the like chemical makeup and the biological makeup or whatever of, uh, is chemical or biological the right word to use there? What? The what? I know it's precipitation, but what kind of makeup? Uh, who cares? I mean, it would be chemical, yeah. Two-part hydrogen, one-part oxygen, cooled to a certain degree. See, you didn't know as a scientist. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can read about snow. You can talk about snow. You can, you can be, uh, learn all the preparations needed for snow, right? You can know that you're going to need to wear gloves because snow is cold. You can understand snow. You can understand all of these things, right? You can have a head knowledge of what snow is. But there's a difference in a head knowledge and a heart knowledge, right? Because in heart knowledge is this idea when we're talking about snow is feeling a snowflake land on your tongue. How many of you guys have done that? You stick out your tongue and you're like, eh, eh, and you're like, eh, right? Do you remember the first time, like when you were a kid, it was like magical. Don't act like it wasn't, like you're too cool for school. It was awesome. You're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, right? Um, there, there, it's, it's, it's the feel of that. It's, it's hearing the snow crunch underneath your feet when you're walking, right? And the louder it crunches, the better it's going to be for making a snowman, right? Because it's the packing snow. Or it's the powdery snow that like you step and then it goes like, puh, puh, like every step you take, puh, puh, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? There's like this experience with snow. It's, it's a different understanding of snow when you feel it's cold. Like, you know when it's like miserable sideways snowing and you walk outside and it's like, you're like, oh, this is a, why do I live in Michigan? Anybody have those instances? Or when you're outside shoveling and your whole beard freezes and you're going, this is the worst decision of my life. Why do I live here? Nobody makes me live here. I'm not a slave to Michigan, yet I live here. Right? Anyone else? No? No? You can tell I spent last weekend in San Diego, right? Just paradise on earth. Um, you know, feeling it's cold or, or driving in the snow. You have a heart knowledge of what snow is like when you have to operate a motor vehicle in the snow, right? And it's not you. It's all the other morons who don't know how to drive in snow. Can I get an amen on that? Amen? Amen? Just kidding, just kidding. But do you see that there's, an, but both of these come together for you to have an adequate, full breath understanding of what snow is like and what snow is. And you have like a, a, you feel like you could be almost like a snow expert, right? So both of these things come together to make this up. And so this morning what we're doing is we're talking about a spiritual discipline in prayer. And so we've covered some really cool things in the first two weeks of this series. This is week three. Next week we'll end it with week four. But in the first two weeks, we started off in week one talking about prayer in the struggle. Praying when life is not awesome. 
Praying when life is tough. Praying when things come up and it's like a struggle for you. One of the things Rich said, he said, coming to God in the struggle demonstrates faith, not weakness. Right? It's a, it's, a, it's a time in your life when you need to come to God and say, God, dude, things are tough. Things are. St- I need help. I need help. And that's a prayer style. That's one way to approach God in this prayer discipline. The second way that we talked about last week was prayer in success. Praying when things are good. Thank, praying when things are, you can be thankful for things. And one of the things he said is God uses past situations to demonstrate his faithfulness for future, uh, for future situations. So like you're sitting there and you're like, man, God is so good because I know he's been good in the past and it gives me hope for the future that I know he's going to continue to be good. And these are two different ways that we can pray. And I'm glad that Rich got to give kind of both sides of the coin. He didn't just leave you with the negative, but he followed up with the positive And it was this beautiful scenario. Well, today uh, we're, we're covering... Uh, sort of a different type of prayer. We're covering a type of prayer where we're praying through the scriptures, which is a little bit different. It's a little bit kind of old school. It's a little bit kind of outside of the American evangelical box that so often we find ourselves in. But it's a real prayer practice, and it's awesome. See, what we've done in this series is we've been kind of covert old school on you, okay? Uh, These are prayer practices that date back hundreds of years. Um, They're more popular in the Eastern Church, not so much in the Western Church. But um, in in week one, when we talk about prayer, uh, uh, praying through struggle, um, that's that's known as uh, as a lament, a prayer of lament, where we're coming to God with brokenness and, and all of this. And then week two, when we talked about prayer and success, That's the prayer of thanksgiving. And if you were raised in the Catholic Church or an Orthodox Church or something, these terms will make sense to you. Today we're talking about praying through Scripture. That's Lectio Divina. It's the prayer practice known as Lectio Divina. And next week we're talking about uh, uh, praying uh, the prayer of surrender. And that's the prayer of relinquishment when you're going through all of these like ancient old uh, sort of ideas. But we sort of repackaged it and made it alliteration so it's easier for you to digest. You guys know how my heart just leaps with joy for alliteration, right? So we got the struggle, we got the success, we got the scripture, and we got surrender. Huh? Are you guys not impressed? Because that takes a lot of brain power to make happen. Okay, are do you guys appreciate, okay, you, I see some nod, some bobbleheads, you guys appreciate it. Okay, good, good, then we'll keep doing it. Um, but today, listen, here, what we're doing is we're talking about praying through scripture, also known as Lectio Divina. And so there's six steps to this spiritual discipline. There's six steps to this process that we're going to cover this morning. So we're going to talk through them, and then I believe it can radically and drastically change your life. So let's pray together, and then uh, we'll jump right in. God, thank you so much for this morning. You know, we're spending all this time talking about our communication with you and ways to do that. But God, we just pause and we thank you that you're even willing to communicate with us at all. What a blessing and a privilege and an honor that is. And so God, this morning as we, as we look at this different way to approach conversation with you, this different way to approach the scriptures and scripture reading and how to digest God's word, God, I pray that you would open our hearts, you'd soften our hearts, you'd open our minds, you'd make us receptive to what you have for us today. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, amen, amen. amen. So, Lectio Divina, it literally means, the, the, uh, the, the, the slide was up there a second ago, Lectio Divina literally means reading and divine. Lectio, Lectio means reading and Divina means divine. So it's this idea of divine reading. It's coming to a sacred text and saying, how do I engage this sacred text, and how do I allow this sacred text to engage me? It's different than if you were like to pick up the latest novel or the latest Stephen King book or John Grisham book or whatever books that people who read books read, right? Whatever it is, it's, it's different than picking up just something like that. We believe 
as Christ followers, that this is a sacred text. We believe that God speaks to us through this and that this Bible can impact our lives radically and drastically. And so when we're talking about Lectio Divina, it's this idea of divine reading. It's the spiritual discipline of praying through Scripture. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. Go ahead and throw up the six uh, steps to this. So there are six steps to making this happen. And if you want to go ahead and grab your phone and take a picture of this slide so you have it to reference back later, I would encourage you to do so um, because I'm going to challenge you at the end of this to practice this at least two times this next week, okay? We'll put, we'll put a graphic up in the Facebook family group as well just so you have uh, a reference there. But I would encourage you to take a picture of this slide because this is going to kind of shape the way that you pray through Scripture. It's going to shape the way that you engage this book. And I promise you, if you guys do this, if you put this into practice, it'll radically and drastically change the way that you engage the Bible and the way that the Bible engages you. It'll change everything about your perspective of how this thing works and how, how it, it applies to your life. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So in, in step one, when you're coming to this idea of praying through scripture, step one is huge. Step one is super, super important. Step one is silence. It's silencing all the noise in your life, right? It's chilling out. It's checking your baggage at the door. All the stuff that wants to cloud your brain, cloud your thoughts, cloud your perspective, all your stress from school or from work or from your kids or your family dynamics or, you know, we need this groceries, I need gas in my car, the line at Costco is so stinking long, whatever. All this stuff that's coming in, that's clouding your th- it's taking a moment and putting yourself in the presence of God. Before you even open the Bible, it's taking a moment and putting yourself in the presence of God. Well, well Sam, the God's everywhere, right? Om- omniscient, omnipresent, all-knowing, all whatever. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm not saying he went anywhere. I'm saying our brains go everywhere else. And so it's taking time and saying, I'm going to put myself in the presence of God. I'm going to become quiet, and I'm going to offer myself to God. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to offer you my attention, my focus, my time. I'm shutting everything out and focusing on you. You're putting yourself in the presence of God. That's step one, silence. Step two is opening your Bible. It's reading. You find a passage, and you read the passage. And when you first read the passage, your intention is to figure out, what does this say to everybody? What does this say to the world as a whole? How does this apply to humanity? What is God trying to do in the story that he's telling? What is he, what is he trying to communicate to all people for all time? And I would encourage you to read it slowly and read it out loud. Read it out loud and read it slowly, but through the lens of what is God trying to say to everybody and let the words resonate. Let the words settle in your heart. Don't just read it and be like, I got to keep my street going on my Bible app, so I'm going to go ahead and read this real quick. But come at it and say, what do these words mean? What are these words saying to all people for all time? What is God trying to communicate through this passage? And so you read the passage. Step three is to meditate. Now, some of you are like, yo, I thought this was a Christian church. What's going on? Like, meditation's got this bad rap in Western evangelical church. Like, it's you got to be like Hindu, Buddhist, or something to to meditate. Uh, All it is is just like thinking harder, right? Like a deeper, focused thinking. It's not like you're like summoning, like, that's not the guy. When I talk about meditation, I'm saying, listen, you're going to a deeper level of thinking. You read this passage. First, you silence the, the noise in your life. And then you go to the passage and you say, what does this passage say to, to the world as a whole? And then you meditate on that for a second and say, okay, let me transition my thought here. What is this passage saying to me? What is God trying to communicate to me personally? Where I am in my life right now, 
what I'm dealing with, where my headspace is, with my struggles, with my successes, with my relationships, with all the things that's going on. What is God trying to say to me? What sticks out today from this passage that I believe like God is trying to communicate to me right now? And you just kind of sit in that for a minute and think on that for a minute. Ponder on that. Meditate on that. You just take it in. Remember, this is, this is all within like a couple of minutes here. I'm not saying this has got to take like four hours every morning with your Bible. It's just coming at the Bible with intention and purpose, right? And so we come at it, we silence everything, we read it. What does it say to everybody? Then we meditate on it. What is this saying to me? And then step four is to pray. This is an opportunity to respond to what you feel like God is saying to you, right? What is God saying to everybody? Cool. What's he saying to me specifically? Oh, maybe I need to change in this way or develop in that way or I need to take action of some sort or I need to make some changes inside of me, whatever. Whatever that is, now we have a conversation with God about it. We say, God, okay, you said this and this. You, you said, you know, that I need to whatever. I need to start eating grapes on Wednesdays, okay? And so you're telling me to do that. Now we have a conversation, but God, I don't like grapes. Maybe I don't want to eat grapes on Wednesdays. Maybe I want to eat them on Tuesdays. But whatever. This is an opportunity for you to have a real-life conversation with God about what he's saying in his text. And don't hold anything back. This is not like something you have to come to with this like rehearsed script of like, dear heavenly holy father, seated on the throne, and I know the train of your robe fills the temple, I just come humbly before you, asking Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, to speak to me today in thou greatest tongue of eloquence. Like, come on. He's sitting there going, guys, shut up. Tell me, what you're going, tell me what's going on, right? Let's have a conversation, okay? And so in this time where we're praying, it's a response to God. Respond to, it's us responding to the invitation that he's offered us through his word. It's us responding to what he's trying to tell us and show us, where he's trying to lead us and guide us. It's us responding to that. And so don't hold anything back. Be open and honest in your conversation with God. Step five is then contemplation. I shared a really cool video in our uh, Facebook uh, family group, Central Church family group on Facebook of Richard Rohr talking about a contemplative life and a contemplative uh, perspective. And it's really cool. It's nine minutes. If you got nine minutes, get on Facebook today and check it out. But this idea of contemplation is then another step deeper than the meditation, right? The meditation is like, what does this mean to me? The contemplation part is, okay, all right. What conversation of the mind and heart and life is the Lord asking of me? What is it that I'm really like digesting and chewing on? What is it that I need to take with me and ponder on even greater? What is it that I need to be mindful of this entire day from what I read this morning? right? So we read this passage. We say, what does it say to everybody? Okay, now what does it say to me? Okay, let me talk to God about that. And then there's still more business to be done in this contemplation phase. You know when the Bible says that, that we should um, pray without ceasing? That doesn't literally mean that we say the Lord's Prayer on repeat all day, every day, when you're at work and when you're with your family and when you're going to bed and when you're driving your car. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Hey, nice to meet you. Thy will be done on earth. Yeah, can I get $2 worth of gas and uh, your will on earth as it is in heaven? Give us today our daily bread. Man, I'm hungry. Hey, can I get some uh, pizza? Uh, forgive us of our trespass. Like that's not the way that he means when he says pray without ceasing. What he's talking about is a contemplative mindset and a spiritual mindset where we're saying, hey, we're, we're thinking and pondering on the things of God all day, every day. We are mindful of the things of God all day, every day. We hear about mindfulness and, and being intentional with our thoughts and all that sort of thing, right? Listen, it's us being mindful and intentional about the things of God all day, every day. It's looking at God throughout the day and allowing God to look at us throughout the day, all day, every day. It's this contemplative state of being, this contemplative way of living. 
where we're contemplating the things that we discussed with God earlier that we were meditating on and that we read out of his word. Does that make sense? It's almost this like process with building blocks and it gets like bigger and heavier and deeper and more intimate and more special and it's awesome. And at the end, step six is action. Step six is actually doing something about it. It's not just, ooh, I'm gonna stay in my headspace and be all like zen with this whole thing, right? No, it's like, okay, what exactly, what, what is God trying to say here? And so how do I need to respond? What, what do I actually need to do about this? And so it's like, it's, it's how can I make my life a gift for others? How can I take what God has taught me and I've been contemplating and I've been thinking and I've been praying on and now that I feel like I have kind of a handle on it, how do I use that to better the world around me? How do I use that to impact my sphere of influence? How do I use that to edify the body of Christ? How do I use that to bless the lady that's checking me out with groceries? How do I use that to bless the parents at my school? How do I use that to do all these different things? Right? How do I put this into practice? And so if we engage, think about it, if we engage the Bible like that, think about how different our life would be. Think about how different our view of the Bible would be. Think about how different our view of God would be if we came with those six steps every time we opened the Bible. Rather than checking off our streak in our Bible app, rather than saying, okay, God, I'm having a hard day. Let me just, oh, speak to me, Holy Spirit. He then began to speak to let them know in parables. See, the Bible doesn't say anything to me. I don't, you know, I don't know nothing about this. But what if we were intentional? What if we approached it as a spiritual discipline, consistently approaching the Bible in this way, with these six steps of coming at it with silence first and saying, God, I'm here. I'm putting myself in your presence. Speak to me. And then reading it and saying, what is this saying to the world as a whole? And then taking it a step further, what is this saying to me? Now that I know what it's saying to me, let me have a conversation with God about this and figure this out. Oh, God, oh, 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 it's like that? Okay, well, let me take that with me and contemplate on that. Okay, now that I got a good handle on this, I'm going to do something about it and put it into practice. It's a process, it's a simple process, but it takes intentionality. It takes discipline. It takes consistency in approaching God's word in that way. And so here's what we're going to do this morning, and, and this is, it, it, went, it went pretty cool first service, but we're going to try it this service as well. We're going to actually do this together right now. We're going to take some time. I'm going to put some timers on the screen, and you know, don't be super nervous. It's, you know, whatever. It's not like, I'm going to try and keep it like as far away from like new agey as I can, but here's the deal. We're going to, we're going to try to do this collectively together. You're going to do it individually, but we're all doing it in the same room, okay? So Whatever. Let's figure it out, okay? So here's the deal. We're going to read from uh, the book of Mark. If you want to get your Bible, you can do that. The passage will be on the screen in a few minutes. Not yet, but it'll be up there in a few minutes. And um, we're going to read from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. And we're just going to read this passage of Scripture. But first, before we do, I want you to take just 15, 20 seconds here and just silence the noise in your heart and in your head, Okay? I want you to just kind of, maybe if you need to close your eyes, you can close your eyes to focus, whatever. But I want you to free yourself from the bondage of the stress of life, the stress of work, the stress of maybe your family, whatever the case may be, whatever is, is, is causing you to, 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 to be distracted or whatever. I want you to take a, just a few minutes and quiet your mind, quiet your heart, quiet your spirit, make yourself available to God. Just take a few minutes, a few seconds here and say, God, I'm here. I'm available and I want you to speak to me. And we're going to read Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, and it says this. Jesus called them together and said, 
you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we read that. Allow that to resonate with you. You can read it again on the screen. Allow that to resonate with you. Allow that to settle in your heart. What is this saying to everybody, the church as a whole, Christ followers as a whole? Seth, if you want to get that timer ready. What is this saying to Christ followers as a whole? What is this saying to everybody? So the Gentiles operate this way. Instead, I want you guys to do it a different way. Here's how I want you to do it. Jesus is your example, right? And so we sort of process that. So here's what I want you to do. Now I want you to take the next minute and I want you to meditate on it. When I say that, this is what I mean. I want you to take one minute and think, how does this passage apply to me? What is God saying to me through that? What does he want me to do in my life where I am, the struggles that I'm facing, the successes that I'm in, my sphere of influence? What is God saying to me? So just take one minute to do that. Go ahead and start that timer. This is an opportunity for you to put yourself in the passage. Sort of what do you feel, what sticks out to you, that sort of thing. Now what I want to do is I want you guys to get another one-minute timer set up. And now I want us to pray. I want you to take just one minute and I want you to pray. In response to what God is saying to you about this passage. What is God calling you to? Who does God call you to be? What does he want to see from you? I want you to take one minute and just have a conversation with him. You know, in what ways is God asking you to respond and then respond? Have that conversation. So go ahead and start another minute. And step five is contemplation, which this, this takes significant time. This is wrestling with the passage. This is taking it with you. But I would encourage you and challenge you to do that today. What you've just done over these last couple of minutes in processing this passage, 
I would challenge you to take that conversation you just have with God and take that with you today and think on it, chew on it, let it marinate, and then hopefully that comes to fruition through your action. Hopefully you take what God is telling you this morning through the reading of just this short, short little passage and it becomes an action in your life. And typically it's going to be a betterment for everyone's life around you, right? And so when I was going through this this week, you know, preparing to, to, to share this with you guys, I, I thought, yeah, let's do it together. Why not? Some people might think it's weird, never come back. That's okay. That's cool. Whatever. Nothing hocus pocus about it. It's just getting ourselves in the right state to engage this book. But when I was going through it this week, my main takeaway was from verse 43, the second, the second half of it, right? Because So in verse 43, the part that stuck out to me, it says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, okay, I get that. I get what it's saying. You know, big picture to everybody, it's like God's economy is different, right? Like, like to, to exceed, to excel, and to uh, move forward in God's economy, the way up is down, and it's flip-flopped, and it's upside down, and, you know, God calls us to be a servant, not to step on people to get higher and higher and more accolades. I get that. But what I felt like when I read through it again, through the meditation part and kind of getting it all figured out, it was like the, the one word stuck out to me that I didn't like. And I was kind of like, I don't, ugh. I don't like the way that sounds. I don't like the way that word, word play is or whatever. It says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And then it says this, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. I'm like, ugh, I don't like that. Slave of all. Like that just, that doesn't rub me the right way. I don't like that word. I don't know why. Why would they use that word? What are they trying to say? You know, the word slave really bugged me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out why, why did they use that word and what does that word mean and in context and why, why is that the picture that Jesus is painting there? And so when I looked it up, it was this, it's this Greek word um, that's doulos. And doulos is an interesting word. Doulos is what I called my student ministry team when I was a youth pastor because it's this idea of, of, of servanthood and all that. But doulos, it, it's literally translated as a bond slave. So a bond slave back in first century, you know, Greece and all this stuff, it was a person, it was almost like an indentured servant, right? So they were, they, they had a debt to pay, and so they became like a servant to pay that debt off, right? And so actually they would like put a big like hole in their ear and they would have to wear like a tag that talked about the, the, um, the, 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 the debt that was owed. And then once you paid off your debt, they would take that tag off and you are free. You no longer have to work to pay that debt. But oftentimes, doulos, this bond servant idea, bond slave idea, was used for people who, after they got their tag removed, had the opportunity to no longer be a servant, would opt to voluntarily continue to be a servant. And so I read that and I thought, okay, so that was, that was bugging me about this. Let me, let, me, let me sort of contemplate on that. Let me think on that. Let me pray on that. Let me sort of digest that and process that. And coming to it, I thought, you know what? That's huge. That's huge for me. It spoke to me because, you know, I'm a pastor vocationally. I'm bivocational, but vocationally I'm a pastor, right? And so there's an expectation of me to serve others. There's an expectation of me to, to put others before myself. There's, an expecta- there's a certain level of expectation that comes with that. But I felt like in this passage, as I was going through and contemplating and figuring out, it's like almost like God was saying, yo, I know there's that expectation, but you need to be intentional and do it anyway. Like, it needs to be a passion of yours. It needs to be voluntary service, not obligatory service. I don't need to serve others because I'm called to be a pastor. I don't need to serve others because I work at a church. I need to serve serve others because I I am compelled to do so. I need to voluntary put myself in a place of service. Does that make sense? 
And so when I was coming through this, I would have never come to that conclusion when I'm sitting here just reading through, trying to fill up my, you know, my streak on my Bible app. But when I come at it and I meditate on it and I make it personal and I make it real, my takeaway was, Sam, you need to be a voluntary servant. You need to be doulas to everyone you come into contact with. Not because you're a pastor, but because you're a Christ follower and that's what he's called you to be and who he's called you to be and what he's called you to do. And so me walking away from that, I was like, wow, man, yeah, this is super dope. This is awesome. And so I thought, you know, that's why I thought, let's do this together because I bet many of you came away with much different things than I just came away with. But I hope it's something that you can chew on and it's something that you can, you can pray on and it's something that you can apply to your life and make a difference for you. And so, I mean, think about it. Imagine, imagine if we consistently approached scripture and prayer like this. Imagine how different our relationship with God would be. Imagine how different our understanding of the Bible or our time with the Bible or the way that the Bible impacts us. Imagine how different that could be? What if we consistently prepared ourselves for God to move? We consistently took time to silence everything else and say, God, I'm here for you. I know you've been here the whole time, but I am opening myself, I'm placing myself in your presence right now. What if we consistently open the Bible to see what it has to offer to us? What if we consistently open the Bible to see, hey, I wonder if this has anything that can speak to me, that can, that can speak to the world around me, that can, you know, Help me in any way, shape, or form. What if we consistently took time to linger and apply it to ourselves, not just read it like it's a normal book, but approach it like a sacred text and think, what does this have to say to me personally in the here and now, right now? What if we took the time to have a conversation about that with God? Rather than just asking for stuff all the time, or rather than just be thankful for stuff all the time, what if we actually had some conversation about, yo, I know Jesus said this, and it's rubbing me the wrong way. I don't like the word he used. I don't like the way that went down. And we have an actual real-life conversation that prompts change in us. Imagine how different that would be. Imagine if we, took the then, if we then took the time to just be in the presence of God post that conversation. and spent some time in contemplation. spent some time just marinating on it and dwelling in it and taking it with us everywhere that we go and being mindful of the things of God in all that we do and all that we are and all that we say. Imagine how different it would be then if we applied that to our walk, applied that to our faith journey, applied that to the world around us. We would be completely different, our sphere of influence would be completely different, and the world around us as a whole would be completely different. Think about it. And it's relatively simple. It's approaching the Bible in six easy steps, right? Relatively simple. Silence yourself, read it, meditate on it, pray about it, contemplate it, put it into action. It's relatively simple, but it can make such a huge difference. And so my challenge for you guys this week, like I said earlier on in the onset of this, my challenge for you guys this week is to practice Lectio Divina. Practice this divine reading. Practice praying through the scriptures. And here's my challenge. Just two days this week. Just two. You don't, I'm not saying, you know, be like Super Saiyan, Holy Christian, you know, go hardcore, read everything. If you want to do it every day, cool, but I, I would just challenge and encourage you to try it twice this week. Just twice. And it doesn't have to be a long time. I mean, what we just did took maybe eight minutes, right? Take 10 minutes. There's 1,440 minutes in a day. Take 10 of them and engage God's word and allow God's word to engage you and see how that radically and drastically changes you changes your perspective, changes your life.
changes everything about everything. And I would encourage you to do it early in the day so that you can contemplate it all day long. You know, if you can find 10 minutes, maybe right when you get to work, before your boss realizes you're there, <laughs> or, you know, right when you wake up before you get out of bed, or right after you drop the kids off at school and you're having your coffee, or whatever it is that you do in your morning routine, I would encourage you to find 10 minutes to spend with God's word and allow God's word to spend time with you, and allow God to speak to you, lead you, guide you, and direct you, because that can prompt the contemplation that you can carry with you, and you can be praying without ceasing all day long. But if you do this, listen, be ready for your life, for your perspective, and for your relationship with God to change drastically. Be ready for that. Be ready for you to approach the Bible in a whole new way. Be ready for the Bible to engage you in a whole new way. Be ready for that. And for you, it might be 10 minutes. Maybe you got 30 minutes in the morning. Maybe you got 45 minutes. Maybe you get in this thing and you get into this whole like meditation thing and you're like, God's rocking your world and you're crying. You're like, oh, and it becomes a thing. That's cool too. But I'm saying, guys, it... I mean, the passage we just did was three verses. You don't have to sit down and read the whole New Testament to engage God. We just read three verses. And it gives you something that you can take and that you can chew on and that you can apply for yourselves. If Sunday morning is the only time you're hearing anything out of this book, that's a problem. If Sunday morning is the only time that you're thinking about this stuff, that's a problem. Spiritual growth is not going to happen. Spiritual maturity is not going to happen. Okay? This is, I'm here to be like, you can do it. You can, you can do it, right? Like that, that's, that's my role in this. You guys can do it. I want to inspire you. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to supplement what you already have going on. That's why we want you to know God. Not through us as like a, a vehicle for you to know. We want you to know God. We want you to pray. We want you to engage God's word. We want you to have a belief system. Not us indoctrinate you, but for you to have a relationship with God. Does that make sense? And so I challenge you just two days this week. Two days, engage the scripture with those six steps. Hopefully you took a picture of it. Go ahead and put it back up on the screen one more time so if they didn't take a picture, you can take a picture. But use those six steps to engage God, to engage God's word and allow God's word to engage you. So week one, we talked about praying through our struggle. Week two, we talked about praying through our success. Today we're talking about praying through scripture. Next week we're going to talk about the prayer of surrender. Prayer of relinquishment. But we want you to pray because we want you to know God. On a head level, on a heart level, all the way around. We want you to know God. Let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.